technology is working at the moment, so keep your fingers crossed. Thank you for reading that lesson to us, Judy. Uh, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. What a fabulous portion of scripture that is, isn't it? So encouraging. Um, so wonderful. Some lovely, lovely words in there. Some things very, very difficult to understand. Um, and I'm not going to try and explain it all to you this morning. Very brief few moments on that passage this morning before we moved into something about, about the visions. So Paul talks in that lesson, in that story, about uh, the glory of Moses and the glory of Christ, and compares the two. Uh, when we were at Spring Harvest two years ago, uh, a lovely lady called Paula Gooder um, was doing the Bible readings, and she went through John chapter 17, which is a, a very difficult chapter, and it starts off talking about the glory of God and how God's glory is given to Jesus, and Jesus reflects it back to God. And she expounded on that for, I think, 45 minutes on about three verses. So I'm not going to do that this morning. Um, I can let you have the tape if you're interested, because it's really fascinating. And she does it extremely, extremely well. Did you know that the first mention of a car in the Bible uh, was about Moses? It says, Moses came down from the hill in his triumph. Did you know that? So that's, a, that's an old version, but uh, it, that's the first mention of a car in the Bible. There's lots of uh, modern things in the Bible if you just know where to look for them. Moses comes down from the hill with the Ten Commandments written on tablets of stone. And his face was shining. It was glowing. It was gleaming. So much so that they had to cover his face. He'd been in the presence of God receiving the Ten Commandments. And the glory of God was reflected in his face. He, he just glowed with the glory of God. A lot of people say that when um, a lady becomes pregnant, they glow. Um, and several people have said that, husbands have said they knew that the wife was pregnant before they had the tests done because she was glowing. Well, this was not like that. Moses wasn't pregnant. But he was glowing because of the glory of God that had come into his life because he'd been in God's presence for 40 days on that mountain. And he was shining so brightly that when he came down from the hill, the Israelites covered his face with a veil. They thought it's going to actually, it's going to terrify people seeing this man with a glowing face so bright. The children would be, be petrified by seeing this, this apparition of a man with a glowing face. So they covered his face with a veil so they wouldn't be terrified. So God's glory was surrounding the Old Covenant. The Ten Commandments, if you like, was the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. And if God's glory was surrounding that covenant in the Old Testament, how much more glorious is God's new plan, his new covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ? The new covenant to give us life through the Holy Spirit. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ on that cross was far, far superior to any of the Old Testament sacrifices that the priests used to make. So the glory of Jesus is far, far greater than that glory we saw spoken about in Moses' face, uh, reflecting God's glory. It's lovely to sing that song, isn't it? You're beautiful. You look at, you get in God's presence and you try and see his face. We can't see his face, but we know it's beautiful. We know it's glorious. And glorious is a word we use predominantly for things of God, because God's glory is the greatest thing that we can ever experience. The glory of God is incomparable. There's nothing that compares 
compares with the glory of God. It's everlasting. It's a glory that will last, not transitory. It's a glory that we hope to achieve one day, and that's our hope. The veil that they spoke about in the Old Testament that stops people seeing God's glory and Moses' face is taken away in Christ. verse from from, uh, Corinthians. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate or look at or study the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So as we are transformed by coming to Christ, we become like him. We're transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, and we can see ourselves perhaps glowing with the glory of God. Whenever anyone turns to Christ, the veil is taken away, and we contemplate God's glory. The last verse of Charles Wesley's great hymn, Love Divine or Love's Excelling, says this, Finish then thy new creation, Pure and spotless, let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. We are being changed from glory into glory. And our hope and our aim is that we'll be in heaven with him, in the glory of God, and we'll cast our crowns, our glory before him, who is glorious above everything else. And we'll be lost in wonder, love, and praise. I love that hymn. Fantastic. Don't sing it often enough. So God is glorifying us when we're in his presence. We come into his presence this morning. God is here. God is with us. Can you see, can you experience his glory? Can other people see God's glory in us? Not necessarily physically, because if we glowed and we walked out of here, people would wonder what's happening, what we've been taking. But in the way we act, in the things we do, in the way we talk to people, do they see the glory of God in us? And a second question, is this church a place that glorifies God in everything we do? Are our services glorifying God? Are the things we arrange, the things we do week by week, day by day, glorifying God in all that happens in our church? What do you look like? What do you look like? to other people. Do you reflect God's glory? Does God's glory somehow shine out of you in some way? Something to ponder about this morning. Our church, 
You all look at the website very often, don't you? You know what it's like. Do we glorify God in all that we do at St. Matthew's? Or do we need a vision? Two weeks ago, the ministry team had an away day, and we went down to Charles Wickham to a lovely place called the House of the Open Door, and we spent the day there. Uh, We had a morning session with uh, uh, a chap from the diocese who was the... uh, I told you this last week, didn't I? (laughs) who is the, the mentor for the um, Healthy Churches scheme in the Diocese of Coventry. And he led us through uh, thinking about our future and our vision to try and to produce a vision statement for the church. And we felt we needed to um, share that with you. We want to somehow produce a, a statement which tells people what our vision is for St. Matthew's Church. We want to have something to aim for. We want it all to be to God's glory. We don't just want to do things on our own back because we, we want to do them, because they're fun to do. We don't just want to do things because we want to fill the pews up with hundreds of people. We want to glorify God in everything that we do. So that vision statement or that mission statement is, is important because it will focus our minds um, on, on what we want to do in the time, times ahead. So what should our church life be like. Sarah, you want to come up and uh, help us? I'm going to give you that. Here you go. Thank you. Is that on? Yes, it's on. Yep. Okay, so Tim gave us all two post-it notes on the day, and he said, he kind of said, some of these challenges are harder and some of these challenges are easy. I'm not quite sure whether this one was a hard one or an easy one. <laughs> However, we did it as the ministry team, but we thought that actually we need to do it as a church rather than it's us saying this is our vision. It should be that we're all together and we want to move on together. So we had a bit of talk about it in the afternoon and said, well, why didn't we do this activity that we did in the morning with the church and then get everybody's views instead of it just just being five or six of us saying yes this is right this is what we need to do kind of let's see what everyone thinks and hope that uh, when we get all the ideas together there will be a shared vision about what what we see is going to be happening so we had two different questions on the board and are they going to be on the big screen or just here uh they're here okay so on one side it says why do we do what we do. So why why do we come to church? Why have we got a ministry team? Why have we got a wonderful band at the front? Why do we meet as groups? So what's behind it? Why why are we here? And what do we really want? How, why? Why? Why, <laughs> why is so the question? Why? Yeah. why? If, if not, well, why not? So um, the first post note, we all wrote a sentence or two sentences saying why we thought we were here and the reason that we're all out together. So the first post-it note for everybody to do is, is the why. So why do we sing songs? Why do we come to church? Why are we putting on events? Um, <laughs> the, big, the big why. Um, in one or two sentences, please. And then the other post-it note says 
under God, so not just our vision, not just, oh, Sarah would quite like to start this. It's, have you had any thoughts of praying about it and any visions that you think God thinks we need to do? What will the church be doing in five years' time? So if you think this is what we look like now, what do you think we'll be looking like in five years' time? Will the notice sheet be radically different with different things going on that we've managed to successfully start because of us working together as a team? So it's why are we here? (laughs) Why do we do what we do? And what's the vision for five years' time? 